0: Good morning, good morning. How many people here are over the age of 40? Raise your hand. Raise them up high. All those cricks and pops when you raise your hand, those are normal. If you're over the age of 40, absolutely. If you're over 40, I just want to tell you, I get it. I get it. I get what it's like to be over 40. You're miserable. You're angry. I get it. I understand. I understand what that's like. For 20 years, I have been trying to be a grown-up, and I've been getting my tail kicked. Anybody else here? For 20 years, I have been going to work to a place I don't like with people I don't really like that much either. Anybody else here know what I'm talking about? No? Yeah, yeah. For 20 years, you've been making, making small talk in the morning with the people you work with. You know what I'm talking about? When you get on the elevator and you make the lame joke, <laughs> fourth floor, housewares, women's shoes, lingerie. <laughs> you know? You don't, you don't know what I'm talking about? Listen, hey, if you're over 40, you've earned it. You've earned it. Let me tell you, you've earned it. You've got dead friends. You've got dead relatives. You've got dead relatives. You've got dead dreams. You've got dead dreams. Anybody else know what I'm talking about? If you're over forty, maybe you don't even remember what your dreams were anymore. You remember what they were, you know? All you know is you look in the mirror every morning and you think they're not coming true. They're not coming true. Let me ask you a question: Where did we lose our joy? Like along the way, where did we lose our joy? Because uh, for some of you, you're walking in here this morning and joy is not a problem. You've got joy and you're ready to attack the world with joy. But for some of you, it's been a long time since you've had any joy. Or maybe you can't even remember the last time that you had like a, a significant amount of joy. You were really joyful. What happened to us? Where did the joy come out of our lives? I mean, why did that even happen to us? When I was young, I used to feel joy all the time. And as you get older, I don't know what it is. It's there's, there's more burdens at work and the kids are struggling and maybe your money's tied and you're having trouble relating to your spouse. And, and somewhere along the way, we lost our joy. God cares about you having joy. It's not unlike a father who wants his kids to be happy. God wants you to have joy. And joy is at the center of the Christmas story. If you've got your notes, would you follow along with me this morning? We're going to jump into the Christmas story here in Luke chapter 2. And I want you to see this jump off the page in the Christmas story. It says, That night there were shepherds staying in the fields nearby, guarding their flocks of sheep. Suddenly, an angel of the Lord appeared among them, and the radiance of the Lord's glory surrounded them. They were terrified, but the angel reassured them, "What did he say? "Don't be afraid." Don't be afraid. He said, "I bring you what? Good news, Good news That will bring what? Great joy, Great joy to who? All to all people, the Savior, yes, the Messiah." The Lord has been born today in Bethlehem, the city of David, and you will recognize him by this sign. You will find a baby wrapped snugly in strips of cloth, lying in a manger. Now, I know most of you know this story, right? But I want you to key in on something in the middle of that. It says, do not be afraid. Do not be afraid is the most common command in Scripture, And fear is at the root of what has gone wrong with us as human beings. It's what's robbed our joy, is fear. It says, I bring you good news that will bring great joy to all people. That term, good news, euangelion in in the Greek, we get our word evangelism out of that word. We, We also hear people translate it as the gospel. In Christmas speak, good news is glad tidings. Right? We hear that. Gospel feels like a serious word, doesn't it? When you say gospel, it feels like the gospel, the weight of the gospel, the gospel is heavy. In those times, it was just good news. It was a happy word. It was like, tell them the good news. Tell them what's happening. Whenever a new king was born, they'd say, tell them the gospel. Tell them the good news. Whenever a war was won, they'd be like, we won the war. Send a messenger out to spread good news. We won the war. It was just a happy term. That's all it was. And then the next line says, good news that will bring great joy. It's not just joy, it's great joy. In fact, in the, in the, in the uh, Greek, the word is mega. It's mega joy. That's literally what it means. It's like, we have mega joy. So the question for us is, what is this joy, this real joy, this mega joy? Don't you guys want that? Do you want that? I'm the only one. Okay, thanks. Glad to hear that. I want it. So let's jump into it this morning and take a look. Because here's the first thing we're going to learn about real joy. Real joy is not a contingent joy. It isn't a contingent joy. It is easy to be joyful when things are going well. Amen? Yeah. When you get the job, it's easy to be joyful. Right? When you get the promotion, easy to be joyful. When you buy that car with the new car smell, it's easy to be joyful when you finally get the date with that girl, she said, yes. It's easy to be joyful. Amen. Amen. That's right. We call that contingent joy. It's contingent upon something. But what happens when things are not going so well? Let me give you an example. In Habakkuk chapter 3, it says this. Listen to this passage. Even though the figs have no blossoms, and there are no grapes on the vines, even though the olive crop fails... And the fields lie empty and barren, even though the flocks die in the fields, and the cattle barns are empty, yet I will what? Rejoice in the Lord. Lord. I will be what? Joyful. Joyful in the God of my salvation. Here's the question. Will you rejoice then? Will we have joy in the midst of our struggles? See, contingent joy says, I'll be happy if, I'll be happy if, as long as, I'll have joy as long as, yeah, I mean, if only I had this, then I'll be happy, right? If I had a new house, I'll be happy. If I, if I had a, a new spouse, I'd be happy. If, if, I, if I just was healthy again, then, then I'd be happy. And we'll have this joy if, 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 but get this. Contingent joy depends on circumstances. It depends on your circumstances. It reminds me of the fog. How many people were out on Friday night and saw the fog? Yeah? The fog rolled in on Friday night. It was overwhelming. And fog fog is an interesting thing. You have to have the perfect set of circumstances for fog. You have to have radiant heat coming off of the planet. You need to have a certain moisture in the air. The dew point and temperature need to be exactly right. And when you have all of those conditions exactly right, then the water in the air the vapor condenses and it turns into something that is overwhelming and you can see it right away. And And you can see... The joy, can you see the joy? You see the joy? Yeah? You see it? But the problem is, is that for us, sometimes all you need is one little thing and then the joy is gone. It's like, it's like I've got a 4.0 and my essay was great and I've got all the extracurriculars but I didn't get into the college I wanted. No more joy. Right? I, I mean, there's all kinds of things. For me, I woke up this week. This really happened to me. I woke up. I went outside. I was going to go to a meeting, and my car had a flat tire. And let me tell you, the one phrase that never gets any sympathy anywhere I go is when I show up someplace and I say, sorry, I'm late. The Porsche had a flat. <laughs> Nobody ever gives me any sympathy when I say that. I don't know why they don't give me any sympathy. i am still got a flat tire, People. I mean it's true of so many things in our life, right? It's like it's like inflation is up and the market is down and no more joy. There goes your joy. See joy isn't contingent. You can't have a contingent joy. The reason why is because we don't have any control over the circumstances. There's so many circumstances in our world that we have no control over. You ever wonder why some people seem so grumpy when they're older? Do you know what I'm talking about? Just not if you know a grumpy person who's older. Good, don't. If he's sitting right next to you, don't at all. Acknowledge that. Don't do it. Um, but some people, when they grow old, they're just sort of grumpy, sour, kind of an old curmudgeon, if you know what I'm talking about. And, and, and I think the reason why is because they've been disappointed again and again and again and again. And they bought into this idea of contingent joy. I need everything to go right, then I can have joy. Because we were told, man, if you get that car, if you get that car, you ever had your eye on a car and you're like, oh man, if I could just get that car, that car would be great and everything would be good and I'd feel joy. And it's just a couple years later when you're looking at that car, you're like, eh, it's kind of old now, screen's small, I need a new car. You know what I'm talking about? Or or you think, man, if I could just marry that person, if I could, oh, she, man, when I see her, it's like the birds are singing, and and she's so perfect, and then you marry that person, and it's just a few years later, and you look at them, and you're like, you're annoying me. Are you breathing? Like, stop breathing. (laughs) You ever had this happen? It doesn't happen to me. My wife tells me it happens to her, though. If I could just get that career, if I could just get that job, man, if I had that job, everything would be, and then you get that job, and you're like, oh, yeah, this job isn't as great as I thought it was, and it's this joy that's contingent on things, and if it doesn't work out exactly right, you're disappointed, and you're let down, and and I think you're disappointed, and you're let down, you're disappointed, and you're let down, you're disappointed, and you're let down, and as you get a little bit older, I I don't want to say a certain age, but maybe right around 40. You start to think, I don't want to be disappointed and let down anymore. And so I'm just going to, I'm not even going to get involved in this joy thing. Your heart gets hard and you're afraid you'll be disappointed again and again. You know, I found hope in this passage from the Apostle Paul. He seems to have found the antidote to that contingent joy. Listen to what it says in Philippians chapter 4. It says, not that I was ever in need, for I have learned to be what? Content with whatever I have. I know how to live on almost nothing or with everything. I have learned the secret of living in every situation, whether it is with a full stomach or empty, with plenty or little, for I can do everything through who? Christ, Christ, who gives me strength. See, the antidote is not a thing. The antidote is not a circumstance. The antidote is a person. It's the person of Jesus Christ. And once you've found him, sometimes you have to have, I mean, real joy is a courageous joy. It's a courageous joy. Like, sometimes you have to be courageous to pursue this joy. Peter, another one of the apostles, is writing in the book of 1 Peter. He's writing to God's people. Listen to what it says, 1 Peter 1.1. This letter is from Peter, an apostle of Jesus Christ. I am writing to God's chosen people who are living as what? They're foreigners in the provinces of Pontus, Galatia, Cappadocia, Asia, and Bithynia. These are persecuted Christians. They have been uh, scattered and driven from their homes and from their land, and and they've lost their homeland. They've lost everything that they consider dear, their, their houses, all of their possessions. But get this, they never lost their joy. They never lost their joy. Their circumstances were difficult and terrible, but they never lost their joy. They still had their joy. How do I know that? Look a few verses later. 1 Peter 1, verse 3. All praise to God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. It is by his great mercy that we have been born again because God raised Jesus Christ from the dead. Now we live with great expectation, and we have a priceless inheritance, an inheritance that is kept in heaven for you, pure and undefiled, beyond the reach of change and decay. And through your faith, God is protecting you by his power until you receive this salvation, which is ready to be revealed on the last day for all to see. So be what? Truly glad. glad. There is what? There's wonderful joy ahead, even though you must endure many trials for a little while. Sometimes it takes courage to be joyful in the face of difficult situations, whatever you're facing. I mean, these people had lost everything, but they had not lost their joy because they had not lost Christ. You see, real joy depends on Christ. That's what it depends on. It really depends on Christ. Did you know you can fake Christianity? How many people know this? You know, you can fake Christianity, just not. If you don't know this, then let me in, I'll let you in on a little secret. You can tell people you believe these things, and they'll go, oh, really? You, you can even act a certain way so that people will think, oh, yeah, he must be a Christian. Do you know nobody knows if you read your Bible? Nobody has any idea if you read your Bible. You leave your Bible out on your nightstand, and you leave it open, and you put the little page marker in there, and you're like, I read my Bible. Nobody knows if you read your Bible. They don't know. Nobody, nobody knows that you can sing songs in the worship, you can sing songs with all your might and all your heart and all your excitement, and at the end of the day, you can never enter into real worship to God. You can, you can uh, uh, pray at meals, you can pray before bed, you can do it all in a way that never actually enters into a real conversation or dialogue with God. And anybody can talk a good game at community group. Well, let me tell you how God's working in my life. You can fake this thing. You really can. But real joy, joy is a virtue. Joy is something you can't fake. And I'll tell you why. You can't fake a virtue. People know if you're a loving person, you can't fake it. They know know if you're loving or not. People know if you're a kind person. Nobody comes in and fakes people out as to whether or not they're kind. We know if you're kind or not, we can tell. And people know if you are joyful or not. They can just tell. The people who are closest to you, the people who spend the most time with you will know you're joyful. The Bible calls these fruit, fruit of the spirit. And the only way you have this fruit, you you're known because of your fruit. You, The only way you know this fruit is because it comes from Jesus. That's absolutely where it comes from. The fruit comes from this Holy Spirit within you. Listen to what it says in John chapter 15, 4 through 5. It says, Remain in me, and I will remain in you. For a branch cannot produce what? Fruit if it is severed from the vine. And you cannot be what? Fruitful unless you remain in me. Yes, I am the vine. And you are the branches, Jesus says, those who remain in me and I in them will produce what? Much. Much fruit. For apart from me you can do nothing. And Jesus wants us to have this real joy, this fruit of joy in our lives. He wants us to have it. The kind of joy he has, not the kind of joy that the world is offering because it's dependent on circumstances. It's contingent. John 15, 11 says, I have told you these things so that you will be filled with what? my joy. Yes, your joy will what? Overflow. Overflow. I want to live with this very real joy, this overflowing joy, this mega joy in my heart. Don't you? Nobody else, just me. Anybody else want some joy in your life? Do you want that? You want to see that expressed in your life? Praise God, somebody does. Okay. (laughs) Well, it only comes from Jesus. And And here's the interesting thing. When you have it, when that joy infects you and becomes a part of who you are on the inside, real joy is contagious. Do you know this? Real joy is contagious. That joy that I'm talking about is do you know that person who has that funny laugh? You know the one that, you know what I'm talking about? The person who has a laugh that once they start laughing, everybody starts laughing. Do you know what I'm talking about here? Let me show you a little bit what I'm talking about here. That you just can't help but smile. Sorry if you're watching online. We don't have the streaming rights for this. Wish you were here. Take a look at this. (laughs) Ha (laughs) Ha 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 You just can't help but it man when you have joy it's infectious if you have joy in your house it's impossible for your house not to be a joy-filled place if you're joyful at work it turns out everybody around your cubicle are happy people and they come there and they want to be there because it's infectious if you're the happy house in your neighborhood people want to set up lawn chairs in your driveway and they they want to be around there it's this contagious thing where joy takes over and the world needs more joy can I get an amen out of anybody The world is desperate for this joy right now. It is desperate for it. You ever been on an airplane with grumpy people? I don't want to be in there. I don't want to do that. You you ever work with somebody who nobody wants to be there at the office? Nobody wants that. How how many people, um, you you don't want to get sucked in by that. I don't want to get sucked in by that. I want to be a person of joy. I want to be the kind of person that spreads joy to others. And I want to tell you something. The New Testament church, that early church, was exactly like that. In Acts chapter 2, it says this, verse 46 and 47. It says, They worshiped together at the temple each day, and they met in homes for the Lord's Supper. And they shared their meals with what? Great joy and generosity and all the while praising God and enjoying the what? The goodwill of all the people and each day the Lord added to their fellowship those who were being saved. These people were liked by all people and I think it's because they were just joyful people. They had Jesus in their heart and they were joyful people and as a result, people of joy, people of hope, people of faith, they, they get drawn. They're drawn to you. Let me tell you what real joy is. Real joy is a mixture of peace, hope, and faith. Real, This real joy is this weird uh, amalgam of peace, joy, and hope. Real joy is the knowledge of how God is provided in the past. God, I've seen you do this in the past. Real joy is faith faith right now in the middle of this trial, this pain, this heartache because I've seen you do it in the past God and it's trusting him for the future it's the peace that we can have right now because we know we have seen God work in the past and we know he will work again in the future and I want us to catch a case of this joy even if you're over the age of 40 people, I want us to catch a case of this joy and be people of contagious joy, which leads me to, so what Steve, what do I do with this, how do I make sense of this, well I want to give you a little example of what this might look like, I hope you enjoy this little video, I hope it brings you a little bit of joy, testament there's a story of God's people who had returned home from Jerusalem they returned home to Jerusalem from Babylon they'd been in captivity and the temple had been rebuilt and the wall was being rebuilt around the city and the prophet Ezra stood up and read from the book of the law and he read it aloud for everyone to hear and they stayed and they listened all day long and the people wept and for years and years, they realized that they had missed out on the blessings of God because they had not been following God. And Ezra, as he's reading through this book, reads about the Feast of Tabernacles. And they all look at their calendar and they're like, the Feast of Tabernacles is the next feast in the calendar year. It's coming up right away. It should be, it's right here. It's coming up. And so every family during the Feast of Tabernacles would go outside and they would build a temporary structure. They would build it in their courtyard or on their roof. This is a little bit like putting up a camping tent and camping in your own front yard for like a week. And they would camp out in their courtyard or up on their roof. Actually, up on their roof sounds like fun. Anybody else want to do this? Maybe just live in a, in a tent on top of your roof for a little while. It sounds dangerous and awesome. Uh, uh, and so they would do this thing. And the reason that they did it is, is because for years, they had lived for 40 years wandering in the wilderness in tents. They had picked up their tent and moved and, 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 and God had provided from their, for them every day. The sandals that they wore for 40 years never wore out. Every year they would, they would look up and, and, and they would find on the ground food, manna and, and quail running through the camp and, and they, would, they would have food every single day and God would take care of them. Water gushed out of a rock when they needed water. God would do it and, and God was saying basically, remember, get up on your tent, get it back, get back in a tent. And remember all the times and all the ways that I have provided for you. And I want you to see this. In Nehemiah chapter 8, it says, And Nehemiah continued, Go and what? Celebrate with a feast of what? Rich foods and what else? Sweet drinks. And what else? Share gifts of food with people who have nothing prepared. This is a sacred day before our Lord. Don't be dejected and sad for the? joy of the Lord is your strength he says go and practice joy practice joy you got to practice it you got to do it you got to put it into action go and celebrate celebrate this festival he's saying we haven't celebrated in so long we need to celebrate something eat drink and choose joy sounds a little bit like Christmas doesn't it when you hear that description in Nehemiah like, like it, it's time to, to celebrate and, and do that. Celebrate the season. Man, don't just muddle through Christmas. Enjoy every minute of it. Enjoy every opportunity. Practice joy. Choose joy. Now, I don't want this to sound trite. I really don't. Um, because some people battle a very real condition called depression, And I don't want you to think I'm making light of it at all. I don't want you to hear me saying, well, just buck up, little camper. Turn that frown upside down. I'm not saying that. Depression is real. And frankly, in my own house, we have dealt with this at a very deep level. Three out of five in my house struggle with one form or another of anxiety. Depression. And, and every day can seem dark for those people and, and a gray cloud that hangs over everything is not a fog of joy, it's a fog of sadness and, and, and you can't, it gets overwhelming and sadness can become your new normal. But sometimes you have to defy despair. You have to say, I'm not gonna do it, I'm gonna fight against this and I'm gonna practice joy. Joy. This is not some, just a couple weeks ago, we had a men's breakfast and Kevin Brown, a friend of ours came and he spoke and he used this phrase that I had heard before and I'd never heard the last part and I need us to hear the last part. He said, I'm sure you've heard this, it's okay to not be okay. But then he added it, but it's not okay to stay that way. Like, you start working on it. You start defying that darkness. You start moving towards a joy, a biblical joy, a real joy, right? And, and it's not some weird form of fake happiness. But sometimes, even if you don't feel it right now, you see, I'm going to believe God's promises anyway. And if joy is a fruit of the Holy Spirit, and the Holy Spirit actually dwells in me, then I'm going to believe I can have some joy even right now. Can we get real for 1 second here? Would that be all right? Last night at 11:30 p.m. my phone rang and it was my mom and my dad died last night. Yeah. Died last night. And I got this call and and she said it was like she had been he had parkinson's for 11 years been fighting it and I just got back from Thanksgiving where I had visited him. She said it was like somebody had punched her in the stomach. And I'm getting this news and I'm crying on the edge of my bed. I, we, at Thanksgiving, we went out to eat and we had Thanksgiving dinner at a restaurant. He was in a wheelchair right next to me and he was still talking a little bit, and he his meal showed up, and and I was the one closest, and so I started cutting my dad's turkey into little tiny pieces so that my dad could eat it. And my dad leaned over to me, and he was like, I used to do this for you. <laughs> and I was like, yeah, you did, Dad. As I leaned over, as I was getting ready to say goodbye last Saturday night, and and can I tell you something? I speak for a living, I stand up, I weave together sentences and try and make things make sense. When you go, are talking to your dad and you know it's probably for the last time, I, I had nothing, it was, I, I love you dad, you were such a great dad. And You know what he said back to me? He said, be careful driving home. That's what he said, honestly. <laughs> his last words to me, be careful driving home. But once a dad, always a dad. And God, in his great humor and wisdom says hey steve why don't you get up tomorrow morning and preach on joy and let me tell you something i can tell you with integrity and authenticity i still have joy in my heart this morning i do i'm not all that happy this morning but i've got joy in my heart because i know god is who he says he was I know what he's done in the past. I know what he's done in my dad's life. I know what he's done in my life. And I know that even right now, my dad is in Jesus' presence. You can have a real joy even in the midst of circumstances that are painful. And I want to make sure you hear me, whoever's here today that is struggling with real pain and real despair. We can push back against the pain and despair and choose joy. That is what this Advent conspiracy that we are doing is all about. This Advent conspiracy is us as a church saying we are going to defy the despair that's out there in the world. We are going to push back against the despair that is in the lives of this young adult generation that has been affected by this lockdown and all the things that they're dealing with in their world. We choose joy. We choose to push back against that. And we will make a difference in the lives of those kids because of it. We will be the voice of joy for those who can't find the voice of joy right now. Until they can find it. Here's the last thing I want to leave you with. And it's perfectly appropriate during this holiday season. I want you to get around some joyful people. Get around some joyful people. Listen to Nehemiah eight seventeen. It says, continuing on with that story. So everyone who had returned from captivity lived in these shelters during the festival, and they were all filled with what great joy. Great joy. The Israelites had not celebrated like this since the days of Joshua son of Nun. This festival of tabernacles was a reminder. You don't need to live in fear. Remember how God provided when we were living in tents? You don't need to live in fear. Don't you remember when the circumstances were terrible? We were wandering. We had no idea what was going to go on. We don't need to live in fear. And they looked over at the house next to theirs, and they saw a tabernacle in their courtyard, and they looked over to the house next to them on this side, and they saw a tabernacle up on their roof, and they went, oh, yeah, we're all in this together. We're all in this together. Like, this Christmas, find a place and some people, and some people that you want to celebrate with and celebrate with them. If you are going through long periods without joy, you can't beat it by saying, i got to be happy, i got to be happy, hakuna matata, hakuna matata. You, you, you aren't going to get it done that way. Like You have got to choose joy and have people around you choose joy with you. Have a community of believers who will be joyful with you. You were not meant to live this Christian life alone. Get around some joyful people and you need people who will challenge you when you're not joyful and you need people that you will challenge and bring their joy level up. You, you will, they will join you when you're joyful and you will join them when they're joyful and your joy will increase because this kind of joy, this real joy that transcends circumstances is supposed to be contagious. You may need to be courageous to choose it today, but this joy is real. I can tell you from the bottom of my heart, it is real and God has it for you. Would you pray with me? Father God, as we celebrate this Christmas together, may we be the people of joy. May we be the kind of people who, despite our circumstances, can find a way to express this real joy to those who are hurting, to those who are suffering, to those who are in the midst of despair. God, even as we engage Advent conspiracy and we, we are pulling together ways to, to love and to support and to grow these this young generation back towards joy and towards hope and towards peace and towards love. God, may we be the joy people, real joy in our hearts, God. Not contingent joy, but real joy that comes from knowing your son and having the Holy Spirit and that fruit growing in our lives. God, let us be the joy people. People, I'm only asking one thing as you walk out of here that you walk out of here as people of joy. For some of you, it may take defying, you know, the, the, the heartache in your life. And you need to be good, courageous joy. Some of you need to be some contagious joy. Hey, you know what you should do while you're out this week? When you see people out at stores or wherever else, it is, just smile super big at them like you know them and make them wonder, do I know this person? Am I supposed to know this person? But let's be the kind of people that that joy infects our community and that real joy that comes from Jesus, that comes from his root in our heart, becomes something that overtakes the the community around us, the people that we love and the people that we know. I'm going to pray you out of here as people of joy. You better leave here with joy in your heart. God, I thank you for the opportunity to be joyful people that you have planted that in our heart, that it is a fruit of the Spirit, that kindness and gentleness and goodness and self-control and all those things can grow in us, God. Plant joy in our hearts. May joy grow in our hearts, and may we take it into this holiday season in a way that overwhelms the people around us, God. Let us be your people of joy, that it might cut through the darkness for those who need it so desperately this holiday season. We pray these things in your Son Jesus' name. Amen.